Today, we will be starting a worship series titled Prophet Margins. In this series, we will be reading and learning from the prophets Elisha, or Elijah, however you say it, because I'm from the South, Amos, Hosea, Isaiah, and Jeremiah. We are to remember that God's covenant word is the real authority. Prophets were raised up by God to speak the truth to the people about God's word. The writers in the Bible, in each of the texts that we will be studying, will tell us a story to help us to see that God's prophetic word determines Israel's history. In today's passage, we will be reading a passage from the time in Israel's history when the people were awaiting the fulfillment of God's promise from 2 Samuel chapter 7 to raise up a Masonic king from the line of David to establish God's kingdom over the nations and to fulfill the promises to Abraham. I will offer up a prayer for illumination before I read the text and share the message. Our faithful God, send your spirit to open our hearts to the many ways you will speak to us. As you did with the prophets, you call us out of our everyday lives to share your message of love and grace. Challenge us today as the word is read and the message is shared to look within ourselves so that we may be your disciples. I will be reading from 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. You will notice that on the screen there are all of the readings of the lectionary and there are the same readings are located on your bulletin, because it's important that you read these scriptures yourself and study the word of God. But today, I will read from 2 Kings. Naaman, a general from the king, for the king of Aram, was a great and highly regarded by his master. And though he, and through him, the Lord had given victory to Amram, This man was a mighty warrior, but he had a skin disease. Now, Armenian raiding parties had gone out and captured this young girl from the land of Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, I wish that my master would come before the prophet who lives in Samaria. He would cure him of his skin disease. So Naaman went and told his master what the young girl from the land of Israel had said. Then the Aram's king said, Go ahead. I will send a letter to the Israel's king. So Naaman left. He took along ten kickers of silver 6,000 shekels of gold and 10 changes of clothing. He brought the letter to the Israel's king. 
It read, Along with this letter I'm sending you, my servant Naaman, so that you can cure him of his skin disease. When the king of Israel read the letter, he ripped his clothes and said, What? Am I God to hand out death and life? But this king writes to me, asking me to cure someone of his skin disease. You must realize that he wants to start a fight with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard the Israel kings had ripped his clothes, he sent word to the king, Why did you rip your clothes? Let the man come to me. Then he'll know there's a prophet in Israel. Naaman arrived with his horses and chariots. He stopped at the door of Elijah's house. And Elijah sent out a messenger who said, Go and wash seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and become clean. But Naaman went away in anger. He said, I thought for sure that he'd come out. Stand and call on the name of his God. Wave his hand over the bad spot and cure the disease. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Arabana, and the Pharaoh better than all Israel's waters? Couldn't I wash in them and get clean? So he turned away and proceeded to leave in anger. Naaman's servants came up to him and spoke to him. Our father, if the prophet had told you to do something difficult, wouldn't you have done it? All he said to you was, Wash and become clean. So Naaman went down and bathed in the Jordan seven times, just as the man of God had said. His skin was restored like that of a young boy, and he became clean. This is the word of God for the people of God, and the people say, Thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. All my life, I have felt a pull, almost like an attraction towards organized religion. I don't know about you, but I love being inside of a church. I have memories of Sunday worship gatherings with my families, sitting in the pew and considered our family pew every Sunday. And even the memories of my older sister reaching over to pinch me during the service to remind me to keep still did not take away from the warming of my heart. As an adult, I have loved serving the church. One of my favorite things to do is to teach religion classes. When, I was, when my children were little, 
I would teach in the school system during the weekdays, and then I would teach the best subject ever on Wednesday afternoons and Sunday evenings. I would, was able to teach religion to multiple grade levels, and on Sunday we had confirmation class and worship. One day, one of my little third grade students asked me a question. He wanted to know why I wasn't the priest up there serving on that altar. And I had to explain to him and the rest of the class that as a Catholic, only men can become priests. I will never forget his comment about my explanation. He said it with all the authority of a third grader who's confident in what they're saying and with the love that they feel for their teacher. He looked me straight in the eye and he said, Miss Alice, I think you would be a great priest. <laughs> I can remember, I just did it again, giggling to myself about how much little people love their teachers and think that teachers can do no wrong. But I have to tell you, that day, that little boy planted a seed in my head, a seed for ministry as a clergy that came to fruitation and is shown by me standing here today. Looking back on my life journey, I could see many times when words spoken by others was a guide on my path of discipleship. Ordinary people planting seeds and giving guidance. Our passage today opens with the writer making sure that we know about Naaman. He's a great man and highly regarded by his master. And through Naaman, the Lord has given victory to Aram. Naaman is a mighty warrior, but he has a skin disease. He has leprosy. And by Israel's laws, he would be considered unclean, and he would not be allowed to enter a temple to worship. Did you notice what else the writer does in this passage? The writer never names the two kings or the young captive girl are not important at this time in history. The writer is reminding the readers that the girl is like any other ordinary person we have in our lives. The writer calls Naaman and Elisha, or Elijah, by name because both are favored by the Lord. But Naaman is Armenian, and he lives in a country where people worship Mesopotamian gods. Yet it is through the words of a young girl from the land of Israel that would lead him to seek healing from a prophet. And where does Naaman go in the story after the young girl tells him about the prophet? Does this great warrior seek out the prophet the young girl spoke about? No. He goes to his king, 
the king of Aram that's not named, writes a letter asking the king of Israel to cure Naaman. The king of Israel laments by ripping his clothes off, or at least ripping them halfway off, because he cannot heal this mighty warrior. He fears that the other king is trying to start a fight. We have three blind men seeking healing from kings. They are blind because they believe that only kings or high-ranking officials have power. Then the voice of reason enters the story. And I like the connotation behind Elisha or Elijah's words in this passage. He says, why do you rip your clothes? Let the man come to me. Then he'll know that there's a prophet in Israel. Again, the writer is letting us know that the prophets sent by God are greater than the kings appointed by man. Naaman goes to this foreign land with all his glitz and glamour to be met by a messenger. And this makes him very angry. Did this prophet not see all his glitz and glamour that he arrived with? Did this prophet not know how important he was in his country? Aren't the waters in Damascus just as good as the waters of the Jordan? Naaman speaks out of anger from his wounded ego. Have you ever become angry when another person did not act as you thought they should have acted? Again, the story shows us how ordinary people can speak words that will lead to change. Naaman's servants remind him that all he has to do is to wash and be cleaned. So Naaman goes down and immerses himself seven times in the waters, just as the prophet has instructed. And his flesh is restored like the flesh of a young boy. Naaman is now a new creation with holiness of heart and life. He is healed through the words of a prophet, not by kings, not by the means of man, and not by his own gods. Naaman is restored and becomes clean by trusting in the words spoken by a prophet. And Naaman is healed by the God of Israel. The story continues, if you read on in the Bible, with Naaman returning to Elisha or Elijah and professing his belief in Israel's God as the only living God. In Jesus, the office of king and prophet come crashing together. It is not in confrontation like the kings and the prophets that you can read about in First and Second Kings. In Jesus, we find the perfect prophet-king-like figure. 
Jesus is both the prophets of the Old Testament who speaks God's authoritative word, and Jesus is the king who upholds the word. The Old Testament prophets were preparing the people for the arrival of Jesus, the perfect prophet king. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we are to read the Old Testament through the lenses of Jesus and of his love for all of creation. This story speaks to us about the holiness of heart and life. What would have happened if Naaman had held on to his anger and not listened to the words of his servants? What would have happened if Naaman had hardened his heart? Today, I invite each of you to remember your call to discipleship. Your call to discipleship came to you individually from Jesus Christ. And it is for you to follow Jesus. To gather together in community and be the church who represents Jesus' love for our neighbor in the community of Winsboro. We need to trust God and be made whole. Holiness of heart and life comes through our responsible responses to God's grace. It comes when we walk with Jesus on our journey of life as we worship together and pray. We study the word of God, serve others, give from our abundance, and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Today is the beginning of a new season for all of us as the church. The Holy Spirit is present in and with us to guide us on our path as disciples of Jesus Christ. I'm looking forward to being your pastor in this new season as we all continue to grow in holiness of heart and life. Amen. Let us pray. God of surprises, open our hearts and minds to your spirit working in our lives. Give us the courage to respond with responsible grace, to be disciples living with holiness of heart and life in your world today. Pray this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I think there's supposed to be something on the slide, which is an introduction that we usually have in this church for communion. My technology people, I told them, they, just to let you know, they're, they're a lifesaver to do the technology, and I told them if they didn't listen and they did something wrong, that was a normal practice and procedure for introduction. There we go. Today we will share in the meal of bread and juice known as the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion, or the Eucharist. This meal was instituted by Christ as a means of grace for us to remember his great love for us 
to be forgiven of our sins. That went a little fast. <laughs> I heard something. It's back. And to be strengthened on our journey in life. This is not a United Methodist meal. It is a meal of Christ. Thus, all are welcome, including children, to come and participate in this gift from God. And now I would ask all of you to open up your hymnals to page 12. We will be using the service of word and table on page 12, starting on page 12. Okay. Hear the invitation. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we, we have, have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. And now we will move over to the great thanksgiving on page 13. The Lord be with you. And also lift up your hearts. We lift up the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you. And blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ, by the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church and delivered us from slavery to sin and death and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. 
This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the blood, body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ and one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory, and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. 